I'm Jennifer Campbell. I'm Karen Corgan. And I'm Kelsey Litchfield. Welcome to the Girls Talk Ag Podcast, brought to you by the Global Ag Network. This podcast is where we plow through the manure online and discuss what's currently going on in agriculture. From the good stuff to the rough stuff, we may not always be politically correct, but we're definitely honest. Hey guys, um, we're back again. I know everybody's probably shocked that we're two in a row here. We are like on it. On fire. (laughs) I know, right? So we've got Kelsey again. Say hi, Kelsey. Hello. And Karen. Hello. Really, that's it? That's all I get is a hello. But anyway. Jen, I'm teaching grade school now. I only have so much energy left for you. I don't more coffee. (laughs) Come on. And the Diet Coke. I haven't gotten oh. the coffee yet. That comes later. Same. Coffee comes after Diet Coke? Wow. That's, uh, is, are you giving your kids Diet Coke too? Maybe that would help. No. I'm trying <laughs> to keep them away from sugar. I was going to say Mountain Dew. <laughs> they don't <Yeah>. need it. <laughs> I'm going to send them some. I'm going to Amazon those little baby girls some uh, Mountain Dew. Give them you know some and live, push them outside. Yeah. I will send you a bag of dog crap. <laughs> So today, because Karen's keeping me on a tight time schedule, she's like, Jennifer, you only have this much time. And so we've got Laura Daniels with us from Wisconsin. She's a dairy farmer. Say hi, Laura. Hey, everyone. So you are a mother, a wife, a dairy consultant, an agriculture advocate. Um, You do everything, right? Well, I try. Much like most of you, we have all these balls in the air and once in a while one comes crashing down. I'm not going to even say I have this mastered, but yes, I I fill all my time. (laughs) Yeah, um, my balls are always crashing around me and I know someone will take that out of context, but that's okay because that's what we're here for. You also have a, a consulting firm, Hitchpin Consulting, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is the most yes. amazing name ever, I might add. Oh, thank you. I actually used a hitch pin for a prop for a long time when I was giving speeches because it's something so visual and memorable. Um, and I was talking about how as farmers, we are the ones who connect to the consumers, like it, our stories matter. And so it, it had a lot of staying power. And then I realized that that analogy worked really well too when we talk about the culture that we create at any business and especially farm. And so um, the hitch pin is sort of developing that culture as well. So I went with it, so thank you. Yeah, actually, and a hitch pin is actually my favorite like farm show giveaway when people, if people give me hitch pins, I'm, I'm all in on your business. So um, I love hitch pins. So anyway, we want to talk about um, milk dumping, um, which sounds so horrible because I love milk and watching it being dumped is like, for more than one reason, heartbreaking because I know how much work goes into it. It makes you ill. It does. Mm -hmm. Um, And how much work goes into it. But so I... I'm in agriculture, but I have no idea why we're milk dumping. Can you tell me? 
Yeah, I definitely can. And I think it's um, such a visual expression of what is happening right now. It's easy to um, get pictures of tankers backed up you know, um, to a field or pumping it down the drain. And so um, rightfully so, it, it has, has caught a lot of attention. Um, the thing that I, that I want to start out by saying is that, you know, whether or not the milk is dumped, those dairy farmers are going through exactly the same amount of work. And the animal care is exactly the same. And they're still feeding them all, all of the feed they need every day. Um, on, on the, the cow side of the business, nothing has changed because it can't. Um, the, you know, dairy cows, you can't just shut off the spigot. I've heard that used several times and that is so true. And so what's happening is that there's been, everybody knows there's been this tremendous shift. Uh, the food that used to be going to food service and restaurants, and I think it's easy to think about restaurants, but we really need to also think about the food service part of that. All of those, um, you know, like my son Nathan is in college and his, his uh, cafeteria and all of the cafeterias for all of these businesses, it's not just restaurants. There's a tremendous amount of um, food that goes into food service as well. And so all of a sudden, abruptly, that food is not needed in that channel. And what happened is that at the same time, everyone rushed to the grocery store and like how great is it that one of the staples that consumers reach for is a gallon of milk and when they stock up they're choosing to try to buy four gallons i i just also want to say like what a cool vote of confidence that is in the nutritious products that we produce and we're incredibly proud of that but what happened is our food system is not anywhere near nimble enough to make that shift on that scale that fast. And so what happened is that the food companies shifted as much as they could to the bottler, you know, to go into those gallons and um, small packages for grocery stores. But the, the entire food system, dairy and everything else is so incredibly fine tuned you can't shift it. The same um, um, cheese factory that makes 90 pound blocks and grinds or shreds that into, um, you know, like 20 pound bags for food service, they just cannot shift and put that into small one pound packages for consumers at the grocery store. They don't have the packages. They don't have the line where that would be processed. They don't have the labels. They don't have, they don't even have approval on any of that. And so that's what we saw is all that milk that should have gone to food service, it backed up. Literally, this was a tremendous bottleneck and there was nowhere okay. to go with it. So that's what I was thinking was processing was a bottleneck, but it was a little more, um, from restaurant big quantity sizes to consumer small sizes as opposed to same amount of milk going in but it was shifting that from big quantity amounts to more consumer doable packaging okay that's um 
that makes a lot more sense because I could not put, I, I really couldn't put my head around it. Yeah. Laura, one quick question I have for you. When I was doing my research yesterday on this, um, there was an article, um, I can't remember where it was, but they were telling people if they see a sign in their grocery store, it says, um, if you see a sign that says limited supply, go talk to the manager um, and have them get in contact mm -hmm. with us or something and say, um, this shouldn't be limited supply. Do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. That is a great question, Kelsey. This is the thing, is the first week, maybe into the second week, when we literally had panic buying of, you know, I mean, toilet paper is, is obviously like the gigantic example, and it's still crazy hard to find, but that, that same thing happened with staples, including milk. And so initially, yes, maybe there was an, a necessity for those um, those limits. However, now most grocery stores, it is not necessary because we have been able to shift a lot more milk to be bottled in a gallon. And there are just loads and loads of milk going to those bottling factories that, that weren't going there before. Um, it's important that if anybody does see one of those limit signs on dairy products, but then also on things Things like eggs, um, a lot of other agricultural products that are basically fresh from the farm. We we should be talking to someone at the location about that. It's um, most of them are not necessary anymore because we have been able to backfill that channel, and they probably have enough milk in the back. and And so it's just having a conversation. I also want to say that our dairy checkoff has been working incredibly hard on um, having those conversations at a regional and national level. Uh, for example, Target still had uh, uh, limits on, and I know that national checkoff spent a lot of time working with them, and in most places, they have taken down those signs now because they're not necessary. There's also some concerns about price gouging happening at the same time. And thankfully, our checkoff is also working on that. And there have even been a few stores, once their, their channel, once the um, supply chain is filled, they've been offering specials on milk. And um, sometimes farmers get a little bit worried about that because they think, we don't want milk sold for 99 cents a gallon. But, but right now, what we want is disappearance. We want people to you be want able to have <laughs> It exactly. Yes. We got to keep moving. Right. So I think exactly. that's important so that during that first couple of weeks, those limited quantities, they were kind of justified then. I mean, I get it's not ideal for a product, but in order to, to make sure households were getting, every household was getting something, those limited quantities were there for a reason initially. Yes, initially, it, it so that everyone could buy one gallon. The, the concern was that once the pipeline was filled again, that some stores were using the limit on milk as a reason to stimulate consumers going to the grocery store multiple times a week uh, because once they say in the grocery store they might buy more groceries <laughs> and I, that is obviously counter to what we're trying to do here so so that was that was a concern yeah 
That's fascinating. I never mm -hmm. thought about that. Huh. What you seeing an uptick in things like butter and cheese and ice cream? Because I can tell you that we're consuming a lot more of that. <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much. Um, the, the, there's initial numbers coming back, but we don't have a lot of data yet on exactly how buying patterns have shifted. Um, I think the indicators that all of us have when we go to the grocery store are still probably um, some of the best ones that we can follow. I know uh, there's a few things that um, the price is still a little higher than it needs to be at my grocery store. For example, yesterday, um, there was two brands of butter. One was $6.19 a pound, and the oh, other was $1.99. I know. I'm like, no, I don't care how good your butter is. That is still just butter, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't a specialty butter or anything, and I was like, okay, everyone, like this is, so obviously there was a rush on butter, right? We saw a price adjustment On everyone's there. baking at home right now, you know? Yeah, so it took yeah. me to grocery stores to find the tub butter that we use because my little one is on Love's Toast. And I wondered uh -huh. too, because the one we buy just rebranded their logo. And I wondered if that had something to do with the pipeline problem too, because the new package I just found yesterday has the new logo. Is that the Land of Lakes? Yeah. Well, so I have to ask the Land of Lakes rebranding. Did that just happen to fall at this time? I mean, it was just a complete accident or not Absolutely. accident, but, but this is what we have coming down the pipeline of rebranding. Oops, pandemic. Oh crap. We've, we've got a hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I've done some reading on that and I have a lot of contacts at Land Lakes. And just a plug for on their new package, you'll see there are a lot of farmers sort of standing in the fields there. Um, there are a lot of women represented in those farmers. And I just want to say shifting away from the Indian maiden to like these empowered, which was obviously outdated and, and there were some challenges with that branding. However, moving towards um, highlighting these empowered farmers uh, who are women I, and, and others, I just think is so cool. I'm really proud of Land O'Lakes um, for taking that step and updating their brand and, and really bringing it up to date. So that's cool. On, on I had to go look because there. I didn't even notice that on the back. I only oh, noticed yeah. how the front was really plain. Huh. I didn't that's even the notice new one? that. That's the yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think it, it might be, it might have fallen at an odd time and they not expected it, but I wonder if it will help land of lakes a little bit in the ag industry because um, so many more people are buying butter and baking at home and noticing those things. Um, so it might have been like a, you know, hindsight can be 2020, but it may come across as this may be really helpful. And it puts a positive message out there, you know, in a time where it's all doom and gloom right now. It kind of puts a me positive messaging spin. And from a marketing and communications perspective, that's always a good thing to put a positive message out there. Um, I had no idea until the other day, I think I saw it on Twitter that they had changed it. And at the grocery store, there was no butter. So I couldn't go actually see it when I did my shopping the other day. Well, that was the thing. I had pick grocery pickup on Friday and the grocery store I went to didn't have it. And my neighbor went on Saturday and there were two tubs there. So she grabbed oh, wow. those. 
she grabbed one for me yeah so it was just kind of funny i'm like you know and i just didn't know if that added to it the fact that they had to re change all their packaging added to you know part of the bottleneck issue or not i don't think that was um a a, a problem because actually this branding has been in the pipeline for branding change has been in the pipeline for quite some time and Land Lakes even tried to do some promotion of their brand shift months ago and uh, because people are paying more attention it, it kind of you know they got a little extra press here within the last few weeks especially the last week and I think that's helping them, but I, yeah, I, I think, I think they were really ready for the transition on the packaging. However, like who could have known, right, that there would be this much rush for their products at the store. Land Lakes is a great example because they have a consumer brand. They, they have products that are in, in processing um, capacity that exists to get um, dairy products to consumers through the grocery store. There are other examples, um, one cheese factory in particular that sells high-end cheese to pizzerias, mostly like in New York City and, um, you know, that really high quality provolone and uh, they don't have a store brand. Like they just don't even have a way to get that to the grocery store. So, so that, that company that yeah, is, is really hurting. So what is the shelf life on those? Like, do they freeze cheese like that? I mean, I know that you can't, I mean, not, yeah. there's only so much storage capacity. I get that. But is that, is that something that they, they are willing to freeze and, and extend the shelf life on? Yeah, so they don't freeze it. Um, what they do is, depending on the cheese, it can go into coolers, uh, refrigerated trucks. But here's the thing, is everything in our entire food system is a just-in-time delivery. Yeah. Everyone, no matter who you are, you want to keep your inventory as low as possible. You bring it in, you process it, you get it out the door. Yeah. And so there just isn't space in those refrigerated trucks. They're awful. It's, I mean, it only took a week before you couldn't even find refrigerator space. And so because of the, the way we have fine-tuned our food system, that's why some of these companies are, are dumping, you know, like tens of, uh, I mean, in Wisconsin, the numbers are staggering how much milk has been dumped. And, um, and, and, and hopefully we can see a shift on that, but it's, it's still happening. It definitely is still happening. Now. And Laura, on that milk dumping, one thing I've seen from people is, oh, you're dumping milk. Shouldn't there be another way you can use that somehow? And obviously there's regulations and things in place, but have you seen any like creative you, solutions? I've seen a lot of times, can't you donate that instead of dumping it? Which yeah, do you want yeah. to explain why that doesn't work either? Yes. Absolutely. And the good news on that is that, um, for example, I mentioned that cheese company that only sells to those higher end um, uh, restaurants. Well, there's some others who have some production capacity that they can shift into what would be like smaller blocks that could definitely go to food banks were because at a food bank, they have more flexibility to cut that down 
and package it on site. And so we can get these bigger blocks of cheese going into food banks and then they have volunteers and they have a system where they can get it um, to the people who need it. And there is a tremendous effort um, in Wisconsin, but across the nation to make that happen. And so that is really one of the silver linings is that because they have more flexibility, they can actually be more nimble in order to get that food to people who need it. The thing is, is that the numbers don't match up right? It, it, all of the people who will go to a food bank and need that food and who are struggling because they've lost a job or because they've been cut back or because their kids are home and now they have to buy more groceries, all those people, it still doesn't displace the amount of product that was going into restaurants and food service. And so it's helping. It's definitely helping in Wisconsin, um, but it's 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 not enough. And so what's happened is a lot of the dairy companies who buy our milk from us at the farm have asked farmers to find a way to cut back their production. And I think it's important in this conversation about what's happening to talk about that too, because that has serious ramifications for the viability of these farm businesses. Uh, my husband and I, Chris, we're just talking this morning. Farmers are extremely good at our job and, and devil's advocate, doom and gloom, whatever you want to say, a couple of things here. Um, once this is all over, a, a lot of farmers in general, um, uh, and I, I guess dairy farmers think this way too, we think when we go back to everything being normal, are we gonna be ready to increase production to fill what we think might be a slack? And um, a second question, when we do get back to normal and restaurants open and things, are we gonna have a bottleneck problem again, trying to transfer the majority of what we need back to restaurant production and still keep consumer yeah. production at levels that, you know, is consumer, our consumer level is going to drop off. I, I would imagine that they will um, because we're not going to be home as much, but I don't know. Are we, are we getting into a new um, habit maybe of staying home more? Yeah. Well, I think that there's a, the, for, so far the projections I should say are that the nation isn't going to all open back up on the same day. Okay. And in many, in many ways, it did close down within a few days. And so that shift back to whatever is the new norm, we expect that there will be more time uh, to adjust to that. And we will in the dairy business, in the, with dairy farmers and our cheese makers, we do have all that cheese that is sitting in those those uh, storage units now, those refrigerated trucks and refrigerated storage. And that will be the first product that once those channels open back up, that will be sent through. So we should be able to be actually incredibly um, uh, uh, um, uh, able to adjust when it comes to refilling that pipeline to food service and restaurants. But I do want to come back to something because as we look forward, 
to the future and what that looks like when we hit this new norm, it's, it's really important to acknowledge that um, on January, the first week of January, the milk price was somewhere between $17 and 50 cents per 100 pounds and $18 fluctuating in that range. That was, um, that was a profitable level for dairy farmers who have had, for us, I am one of them, who have had four years of, of low prices where we haven't been able to really um, have enough profit to invest in our businesses. And I'm looking at the futures right in front of me because unfortunately I can't stop looking at it. This is part of what my new norm is, is you know, kind of freaking out. And uh, May is down to $10 and 50 cents so we were at 18 just you know six weeks ago uh, and that's, even four that's weeks no ago idea. what's your what's your break even all right it can can i ask oh, yeah absolutely i milk jerseys and so it's a little different for me but I, all my clients milk holsteins and break even is probably somewhere between 1650 and 17. holy and shit we're going, we're going to have 10. And yeah. that's just one month. There are three months that are quite low, and it's $15 through the rest of uh, 2020 and into 2021 right now. They're, they're, they're really, it doesn't matter how sophisticated or how automated uh, any dairy farm is across this nation, there is no one, no one who can uh, break even at $10.50. It's impossible. And so what happens is we have to go to the bank and borrow more money, or we have to borrow against something we've already paid off, which might be land or, um, you, you know, these are the things that, that cause problems for the long run. And I, I'm not trying to bring this up as a sad story, but the reality is, is that agriculture, every part of it, whether you're growing crops or you're raising cattle or you're raising hogs or, you know, you have laying hens, it doesn't matter. It has become a very capital intense business. Yeah. And in times like yeah. this, it's hard to recover. And so really the, the, the crisis is real. This is absolutely a crisis for american farmers no doubt well, about it. it it's like a turtle on its back once you get it flopped over it is incredibly hard to get yourself turned back over like that um yeah. i mean i know I've, I've said it before we went through the hog crisis and, and to be quite honest we've got a hog crisis coming up if we're not in it right now um mm -hmm. the, we need to talk about at some point we're going to have to talk about the hogs as well because they they are going to be um it's not it's not as visually um appeal not appealing it's not as visually easy to tell the story of hogs like it is milk um but yeah. the same thing is going on and and it's going to be it's going on but it's a little bit different reasoning i mean it is the problems with the hogs are that the plant, the people that work in the plants themselves are coming down with the COVID-19. But, so, but I guess to me, it's a processing problem. We've got this processing well, yeah. problem. Um, yeah. And you just don't open up a tanker of hogs. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's all. The whole agriculture as a whole, we take very for granted in yeah. today's day and age with our safe food supply and the amount of food we can produce 
Um, but I've said before, farmers are really good at their job. And when we get good, we only want to get better. So, I, you know, sometimes you got to wonder if we're not putting ourselves in that position a little bit. Send yeah. the hand to me if you need to. <laughs> well, and also when we're talking about, um, you know, consumers demanding our products and being able to have access to it and shifts in where the consumers are buying the food that we're producing. We also need to remember that, um, you know, thankfully, uh, Secretary of Ag Sonny Perdue announced um, some help for the farmers across the nation last week. And I think that is going to make a difference. Is it going to save us? No, it's not. But I think it gets us at least a me like mentally, that was so important to me because I know so many farms who are like, they are looking forward and they're like, there is no way. I cannot make it through the next six months unless something changes. But sometimes we forget to talk about that when it's happening because we need consumers to be able to understand that that was necessary to, to keep us on our farm. And we need them to be an ally of support for, for that kind of, um, you know, those government payments are gonna look really large. I mean, it's $19 billion that he committed to supporting agriculture last week. That's a lot. And some of it is going to buying food for food banks, which is awesome and everybody can get behind that, but it can get misconstrued down the road that that was to bail out farmers. Well, no, that was to keep us on our land. And to feed America. I mean, you can say it was to bail out farmers, but it was to keep food in the grocery stores and make sure it's U.S. grown food and not, I mean, I think we're going to have to learn here pretty quick that we need to be self-reliant for some of this because I think this has shown us that um, we need the other thing, if I have to say one positive thing that has come out of uh, this pandemic is that I am amazed at the number of people who, through e-learning and more people spending time on social media, the agriculture education, I think, has gone through the roof. I mean, people are interested in where their food comes from now because they need to be. And um, the, the learning opportunities on just Facebook alone and people interested in farms now has has amazed me. So everyone, you know, they see the milk dumping and they say, why can't I just go to that dairy farmer and buy directly from them? Do you want to address that? Yeah, I know. If it were only that simple, it it would be just just so great because all those all those people would have the chance to visit that farm although we would of course social distance and all that jazz but um it, it doesn't work that way there are incredibly um uh detailed regulations in order to make sure that all dairy products are completely safe and um, one of those, and probably the most important, is that pasteurization is required. There are a few states where raw milk can be purchased, but um, it's, it's usually in a very low volume, and um, only so many customers per farm are allowed. There, could, there just really can't be that direct sale of raw milk. And, you know, as a dairy farmer, I believe that that is absolutely the right thing. Uh, it's important that the that the food is is safe 
for all families um, who are consuming that. And, and we have regulations in place to make sure that happens, not only at the farm, but also at all of those processing uh, facilities. And, um, and they do testing at, at those at the bottlers at the cheese factories to make sure that once the product is shelf ready they're verifying that there is no bacteria that that it's um 100 safe and that that last check is is really important um and so it just doesn't work that way uh, we wish it did but it doesn't mm -hmm. laura you talked earlier about how um, people need to support and be an ally to the dairy industry right now. How can they do that? How can they be supportive? Yeah, there's a couple of ways. I mean, there's a, there's a new uh, um, effort in social media called Add an Ounce. Um, so if you're making a pizza at home for your family, which homemade pizza is such a great quarantine food um, because everyone can kind of make their own. It can be a great family project. So be sure and put some extra cheese on. That makes a big difference now. Um, also, things like if you go to a grocery store and you see they have one of those limit signs in a kind way just ask to speak to someone there and point out that it'd be much better for your family if you could buy three gallons instead of two because that would reduce the number of trips that you need to come to the store and that you want to support dairy farmers and I would say another thing that um, that people can do is try a new dairy product there are so many incredible options at the grocery store and sometimes you know um, we go and we have that one brand we always buy, but maybe that brand is out because we still do have some of these supply uh, um, challenges. We'll try something else or, you know, try a new yogurt or it, there's there's also all these innovative products that you could you could try as well. So kind of spread out where you buy your dairy and maybe you'll find something that your family will really love. And, and everyone knows we need some new things <laughs> because Quarantine and shelter at home gets a really boring for yeah. all of us. So we can try some new foods and it also helps dairy farmers. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah. I would also yeah. say put bacon and whatever you are uh, <laughs> cooking as well. Um, that's another food that is really disrupted by the decrease in food service. Um, we all at home should, should be increasing our bacon intake because uh, it's delicious and we all deserve to be happy. Amen right to that. Amen. No one wants to live in a world where they render bacon bellies. <laughs> That's just sad, isn't it? I mean, seriously, it just makes me cringe. I mean, like, there's yeah. nothing else we can do with those bacon bellies? I don't know. Anyway, I know that uh, I'm past Karen's, we're, we're past Karen's 20-minute time. <laughs> but it was good. It was good. But um, I think uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Laura. Thanks, and, Laura. Uh, taking, taking time to let us know. I mean, I think for me, even though I say I'm in ag, I don't know every aspect. And so figuring out, so, because when people ask me questions, they're like, oh, you're, you're a farmer. What's going on with milk? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I drink it. It's really good. But um, yeah. as far as the farm, got no clue. So I think this will be good for mm -hmm. consumers and those in agriculture. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, really great. And thanks very much for thinking of me. This is, um, you know, this is cool. It's cool that you guys do this. And even if you need a dairy perspective in the future, let me know. Otherwise, you know, sometime if you want to talk about women in agriculture, um, like that's like my jam. Totally. I love talking about that. And each and every one of you is such an incredible example of that, that I, I, you know, anyway, that would be really fun to, to do that too. We'll definitely take you up on that offer for sure. So thank you very much. Yep. Thank you. Girls. We will get this out as soon as we can and yep. um, come up with a new topic for next time. Thank you, Laura. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, ladies. Bye-bye. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next time for another episode of Girls Talk Ag. And if you can't wait until then, connect with us on Twitter.